Welcome to Mental Health in Minnesota, produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of children and adults with mental illnesses and their families. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namihelps.org. Hi, my name is Brian Jost. I'll be your host. NAMI Minnesota is celebrating its 40th anniversary year of providing education, support, and advocacy. This episode is one of the 40 stories of hope related to our 40th anniversary. Today we have Dave Hartford recording with us on January 31st, 2017. And Dave, I'd like to start off with you telling me a bit about yourself and your journey. What brought you to NAMI? Was there a personal connection? Just tell me more how you got to NAMI. Well, I had been a long term, had been working in the field of substance abuse care. Uh, and it was brought to me by a colleague that I worked with at uh, St. Joseph's Hospital that was an officer of NAMI and talked to me about considering joining the NAMI board and bringing a perspective of substance abuse treatment to the NAMI board. So I joined and subsequently was with the board for about 10 years and uh, as an officer most of those years uh, with NAMI. The other thing that I would just speak to is I had an interest in NAMI in that uh, I have multiple family members with mental illness and so it seemed at that time to be a very good fit for me, both professionally and also on a personal basis. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I missed it. When was that about that you got involved with the board? I wanted to say it was about 2002. Okay. And that experience being on the board, what, what have been some of your, um, I guess, some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of, some of your maybe favorite memories of NAMI? Well, I think the journey itself over the 10 years that I was on the board, really NAMI grew from really quite small. If I remember back, I want to say it was probably Sue Abderholden and Shelly White. I may have been the only two employees and the board. It was really kind of a kitchen table organization, very small, very mission oriented. And during that block of time, the organization grew to really one of the major advocate organizations in the state of Minnesota. So the budget grew over the years, fundraising capacity. And favorite memory really comes from, I think, that strategic planning process that was maybe early in those years. We did fundraising to do a formal strategic planning. And out of that really came the mission for the next number of years that helped guide NAMI Minnesota to really quite great growth. Mm -hmm. And you were... Uh, the president of the board for some time, right? The way the board structure works is you have a number of different roles on the executive team. So I was a vice president, president, past president. So I performed on in a number of those different roles. I think I was probably president for two years. Okay. And when did your time with the board end? Around 2012. What sort of interaction do you have with NAMI now? I work for Centricare Health. And in my role uh, with that organization, I still am involved legislatively and follow a lot of the issues. Likewise, uh, as a provider of services, work closely with NAMI, actually NAMI St. Cloud, and also in connection with Sue on a regular basis, kind of getting updates and continue to participate within NAMI events. 
what brought me to NAMI in the first place, that work continues of really advocacy. And NAMI really represents a key leadership role in continuing to advocate for people with a serious mental illness. And that work is ongoing as we try to improve our systems of care and fill the gaps that need to be filled, all of those kinds of things. Uh, tell me more about how you uh, see NAMI now compared to when you first got involved. Well, again, I think the, as the organization grew, able to take on more and more gaps in the mental health system. So everything from education and projects for to help supply materials to hospitals to what I remember as kind of some of the keys was around supporting families, the family to family programs, supplying education and information really to families trying to address issues of serious mental illness with their families. NAMI is really a key resource for quality information and advocacy for many individuals across the state. What's it like telling somebody about NAMI now who doesn't know about NAMI compared to 2002? Are there still people who need support but haven't even heard of NAMI? Well, I think there continues to be gaps and needs in the delivery and supporting the families of addressing family members with mental illness. But I think in the professional communities, NAMI Minnesota has really established itself as a thought leader and support organization that's key to the fabric of really the Minnesota delivery system as really part of the delivery system. So that was not the case 15 years ago where today NAMI fills many gaps, educational gaps, you know, supplies training to law enforcement, a variety of different trainings offered to many different audiences. So I think the NAMI walk has established itself. I don't know what the numbers are this year, but it was on the board through the years from inception to development, and that's become a substantial walk every year with many professionals and healthcare organizations, behavioral healthcare organizations participating in that. So NAMI has now really established itself as a leader in the mental health community. It wasn't the case years ago. I think people are still looking for answers when they're new to uh, having issues of mental illness in their families. What has it meant for you personally to have been involved in the work of NAMI? Personally, it's been fulfilling in that there, there's a side, it's, there's, a, there's a difference between working professionally in something and really purely mission-driven to help support other families with mental illness. There's amazing stories out there of resilience in families and the work that families do to support their loved ones. It's been, like I say, very fulfilling being able to be involved in those stories and find support for myself within the board, within the staff of NAMI, has meant a lot to me personally. And other than the, the changes that you spoke of about NAMI, Minnesota, changing as an organization, uh, what can you say about the mental health system changing over the years? In the long term, the area of mental illness has, in my mind, been underfunded historically, to this day, we're still really battling concepts of stigma around mental illness. It has improved nationally, people's acceptance of mental illness as a genuine disease that should be treated with parity 
as any other healthcare condition, it has been a long journey because we have historically not treated mental illness as an illness. One of my favorite stories that Sue Abdur Holden tells is the idea that people on the psychiatric ward don't get flowers from the family. Right. I mean, I think it really right. tells the story, the difference, how people are just treated when they're hospitalized. So with that, it's been really an, an ongoing struggle to get appropriate funding, appropriate treatment for mental illness. In fact, for many of the years, I was the administrator for Anoka Regional Treatment Center during my years on the board. And I like to give the example, during that time I was at Anoka, we transitioned the cemetery out there to actually put grave markers on. There's hundreds of people, there's cemetery on those grounds for people who live their whole lives in institutions like Anoka. Before the advent of medications that were effective, people live their whole lives uh, really with untreated or inadequately treated mental illness. Mm -hmm. And the cemeteries out there still within this time frame had not recognized the people who had lived their whole lives and died in those facilities. They were just numbers on wooden markers. So dollars have been allocated, and so things are changing and trying to bring back that kind of work that really brings forward the humanity of people who suffer with mental illness. But it has been a long journey to uh, reduce the societal stigma. And we still hear it today in the papers. We still tend to criminalize mental illness, and yet the numbers don't really bear out, but it's still sensationalized, and there's still a lot of fear and stigma around persons with mental illness. And we continue to struggle with adequate resources so Mm -hmm. that people have the supports that they need in order to live successfully in the community. Look around, large numbers of homeless people without the resources for housing and medication, and we still struggle with putting these systems together. Dave, I've been a patient in behavioral health units at at different hospitals, and um, you know, going in and needing the care myself, haven't haven't necessarily had the time to make really a, a choice of where I was going, and and just sort of took the care that I got and took the care that I was given. And, and of course, in that, those moments of crisis, don't really have a, a strong, clear voice myself. And um, along those sort of lines and, and care and with different hospitals and your experience and your professional work, um, what, what goes on or what needs to go on to make sure that people are getting the care that they really need and deserve. I think one of the the keys, it's like any other area of healthcare, that the patient really wants to be heard and wants it really to be centered on them, person-centered care. And I think in the area of mental health care, systems haven't done a very good job of that. And one of the ideas, and I think NAMI does this, really tries to elevate, and I have in my professional work in different facilities, the voice of the consumer. What is it that's important so that the care that's being done is what the individuals want to have as opposed to care being done to people? It's really being done for them. That whole concept is is key, and it's oftentimes left out of the delivery of mental health services. And I think NAMI is a key voice there to help elevate that voice because it has been a struggle in our healthcare delivery systems. Mm-hmm. 
How do you see the the role as family members for a for a patient in a behavior health unit? You know, family members are key. I've over the years certainly tried to work with staff and understanding. A lot of us don't have ideal families, and staff sometimes thinks that they're protecting the people that they're working with in uh, healthcare settings from their families. The reality is. These are individuals' families, and that is likely going to be the people that support them in their lives and putting their lives together. So working with families is key, I think. And again, it's kind of back to what does the person want? If families are part of their life, then the healthcare delivery system should be accommodating and being as inclusive and supportive of families as possible in that uh, in that care delivery. How do you how do you see the challenge of the person the patient who may be in crisis and not judging the world very clearly, and maybe not wanting their family there, even though when that person is well, they're close with their families. Does that does that come up a lot? It's certainly always an issue, and it's complex. Family relationships are often complex. Uh, you add a crisis into it, it's even more so. But I think it's really the responsibility of the healthcare system to spend the time to sort out the best solutions for that individual, for that particular family, and not just rush to because it's expedient to make uh, blanket statements or that kind of thing, to have care be as person-centered, as individualized as possible. What are your hopes for the future of NAMI? Well, uh, biggest hope is to keep doing what they're doing. <laughs> uh, as an organization, uh, there's a long way to go in terms of, I just talked about, a reduction of stigma, but also around uh, what are the needs of families, what are the needs of healthcare providers, what are the needs of persons with mental illness. I mean, there continues to be work moving forward, and that is a important role that NAMI plays, and I hope that they can continue that role in helping the systems be more effective in addressing these issues. Well, thanks, Dave, for, for having this conversation today. Thank you. NAMI Minnesota champions justice, dignity, and respect for all people affected by mental illnesses. Through education, support, and advocacy, we strive to eliminate the pervasive stigma of mental illnesses, affect positive changes in the mental health system, and increase the public and professional understanding of mental illnesses. NAMI Minnesota vigorously promotes the development of community mental health programs and services, improved access to services, and increased opportunities for recovery. NAMI Minnesota is located at 800 Transfer Road, Suite 31, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55114. Call us at 651-645-2948 or toll free at 1-888-NAMI-HELPS or email namihelps at namimn.org. NAMI Minnesota's website is namihelps.org. Outside of Minnesota, visit nami.org to find your state NAMI organization. 